0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: evil.
2: This is the Body of Christ Church, and you are listening to our program, From Darkness to Light where we wage war against the servants of darkness and spiritual wickedness at work in today's world. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Armed with the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, and the sword of the spirit, we fight to spread the true gospel of Jesus Christ to those overtaken in the sins of witchcraft and occult practices. Join us each week on our mission to fulfill the words written in the book of Acts, chapter 26, verse 18, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them, which are sanctified by faith that is in me.
3: People, and then do it.
4: That's exactly what we do. The, the trouble is that people don't always agree.
0: Well, then they should be made to.
4: By whom? Who's gonna make them?
0: I don't know. Someone.
4: You?
3: Of course not me. But someone. Someone wise. I will not let this republic that has stood for a thousand years be split in two. I know they don't trust you, or the Senate, or the Republic, or democracy for that matter.
1: I need your help, sir. I'm depending on you. I love them all.
3: I love the prophet.
5: The power you
4: give me, I will lay down when this right at the
6: Politics, the lesser of two evils. In the dark, shadowy world of politics, success is not a matter of virtue, but vice. The mere word politics conjures up every negative and wicked imagination. Politics has become synonymous with lies, deceit, scandal, greed, corruption, and evil. Sadly, there is no longer a matter of opinion, but fact. This is no longer a matter of opinion, but fact. That being said, many of us willingly play these political games in a democracy ruled by hypocrisy. Society as a whole has become so jaded with the political process that we no longer demand any semblance of truth, virtue, or morality from our so-called leaders. As the power of Satan grows in the world, those who follow the teachings of Jesus Christ often wonder if they should be involved in the political process at all. When choosing political candidates, Candidates, is often said that we must choose the lesser of two evils, but as Christians, is it ever acceptable to choose evil? Join us for another installment of From Darkness to Light as we use the Holy Bible to condemn the lesser of two evils and choose Jesus Christ, who is the greatest of all good. we like to welcome you to another edition of From Darkness to Light, where we're going to Deal with this very interesting uh, topic tonight. We give all praises to the Most High in Christ. Um, I'm your brother Gadaiwan. As usual, we have the resident expert, who used to be on the left-hand path, but now have joined the righteousness and the light of Christ. I give you brother Akrai.
2: Hey, Salam to all. It's a blessing and an honor to be here again for another edition of From Darkness to Light. And this is a show that has been on my mind for quite some time to do, but I'm glad we finally got around to it because I guess it's just the frust- frustration of being a follower of Christ. And of course, you know how far removed we are when we come out of this world, and we're no longer dealing with the wickedness and imaginations of this of this world. And People around us, they turn and look at us like something is really, really wrong with us. Like, how dare you not be involved in the political process? How dare you not be a Democrat or Republican? How dare you not take a stance on Obama? And all of these things where they really don't understand that the reason why this is is because we already have a king. We already have a lord. We already have someone that we're following. We already have a leader. We already have a master. We already have a political party. And it has nothing to do with the kingdom of this world. So just making people understand something like that, it's almost like speaking a second language because they're so far removed from that understanding. So that's really why I wanted to sit back and do a show like this.
6: <laughs> well, the one thing you said, how, how dare you take a position. You don't take a position on Obama you know, everyone I spoke to is how dare you not agree with everything that comes out of his mouth.
2: And, you know, this, I know I'm not to get overshadowed with what we're going to go over on this show because this is not a show about Obama, although I promise we'll save some space for him towards the end. But really, what we want to go over today is the whole concept of. The Lesser of Two Evils in Politics, where people really made up their mind that they no longer care about any semblance of truth or virtue or any type of righteousness in the people that they call their so-called leaders. Right. And how, to this day, you have people who will fight for them, who will argue for them, who will represent them, who will campaign for them, who will put up posters for them, who will work tirelessly to put them in office knowingly or ignorantly of the fact that these men are the basest men on the face of the earth. And since this is a darkness to light show, it's only fitting that we really go into the fact of the matter that these men are avowed Satanists, they worship Lucifer, they practice a Luciferian doctrine, they worship Satan in all his highest glory. And the only reason why they're even in these positions to begin with is because they've already given their soul to the the left-hand side, given their souls to the power of darkness. So what we're going to start with today, we're just going to go over some scriptures showing, number one, that the Heavenly Father was and is the power and authority that we should be following, and two, going into the proof of all of the political corruptions that are in this world, which people have agreed to and aligned themselves with, then going into the darker sides of it, going into the satanic aspect of it, and, you know, we'll probably save this current president for last. It's going to be a longer show, so we'll try to pace ourselves and give ourselves enough time for everything. But I want to start with the book of Jeremiah, chapter 17, verse 5, which says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arms, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. And so that's really the main curse that people are bringing upon themselves, the curse of that trust in man, the curse of putting a man up in a position of exaltation When you know, based on their words, on their deeds, actions, that these men are wicked, evil, corrupt, and base. So, also, when you look at that, curse be the man that trusteth in man, it leads you back to the first time that the children of Israel were truly admonished about that type of thinking was in the book of. 1st Samuel where they rejected the Lord and chose a king for themselves. Mm-hmm. So um, if you can get that for me, Godwin, in the book of 1st Samuel chapter 8 and we're going to read from verse 4 all the way down to verse 8. So that's 1st First First Samuel, Samuel, First Samuel chapter 8 starting at verse 4.
6: Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah, and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thou sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people, and all that they say unto thee. For they, have not, for they have not rejected thee, but have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them out of Egypt, even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee.
2: So at that time, the Heavenly Father had set up judges in the land of Israel. This was before the days of the kings. And Samuel, being a prophet and a judge in Israel, he ruled and he reigned over the people, not in the sense of being a ruler, but he guided them and instructed them in all that the Lord had planned for them. But the people of Israel looked to the right, they looked to the left, they looked up, they looked down, and everywhere they looked around them, they saw the nations around them with kings. And these kings were proud, pompous men who were wicked, evil, base, but they were glorious in the eyes of other men. So what happened? They became jealous and envious of what all the other nations had, and they said, we don't want the Heavenly Father to reign over us. We don't want the laws of heaven to be our laws. We want a man here on this earth, that we can glorify, that we can put pretty clothes on him, that we can give him some money, that we can put him up in a beautiful house, that he can ride a horse in front of us so that we can look at this man and say, this is who we're supposed to be following. So the Lord instructed Samuel saying, give them them a king. Because just understand, it's not you that they're rejecting Samuel. They're rejecting me. But then he explains in verse 8 that they've always rejected him. Always, and going after other gods, except that now their gods are going to be in human flesh in the form of a king. So when you look at the Bible, one, the did the children of Israel vote for a king? No. So you look one, at that, yeah, explain it.
6: No, one was appointed to them by the High.
2: So even then, they didn't get around the fact that the Heavenly Father was in control. They didn't get around that fact. So it wasn't like the children of Israel were sitting there saying, Okay, well on the ballot this year we have Saul and we have David and David is looking more promising in the polls. And no. That's not how our society worked. And the thing is, you know, we hear about Athens and democracy and all of these all of these great political processes, and things of that nature. But what people don't understand is that even even in the voting process, you're not choosing. You can tell, you can put a ballot out, and if people are not aware of how the political process works, then go and do some research yourself. Go and do some research on the ballots. Go and do some research on the electoral college. As a matter of fact, you shouldn't have to do much research because you've already seen it in your lifetime with Gore and Bush. Mm -hmm. So the thing is, is that your vote doesn't determine who's going to sit on that throne. Secondly, what people really don't understand is regardless of what platform your politician stands on, regardless of what political party he's from, whether it be Democrats, Republicans, conservative, leftists, right-wing, you name it, all the way across the spectrum, they're all the same person. Why? Because behind closed doors, they're all part of the same satanic organizations. They're all part of the same fraternities. They're all part of the same secret societies, and they all get, them, get their orders from Satan himself. And what people don't understand is there is no exception to that rule. So when you look at the time of the kings of old, even when we went into captivity in different nations, whether it was Assyria, whether it was Babylon, whether it was the Medo-Persian Empire, whether it was the Greco-Roman Empire, the children of Israel went into captivity under every nation on the face of the earth. But there was an interesting example that came out In Babylon with King Nebuchadnezzar where he rebelled against the Lord and he was punished his punishment was that he was made to be a beast of the field he was transformed the hair on his back grew thick like feathers his his fingernails grew out like claws he ate grass like a beast when the Lord humbled him and when you read in the book of Daniel chapter 4 verse 17 That's when the Lord explains that this was decreed to show mankind a lesson. So I'll read it. This is Daniel chapter 4, verses 17. It says, This matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones, to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will." and setteth up over it the basis of men. So what, is that, what does that mean, Gideon, when he says the term the basis of men?
6: The wickedness of men.
2: So when you look the at bottom. that word... The bottom. Basis
6: means the bottom.
2: Exactly. The when bottom. you look at that word base, it just means the lowest of the lowest of the low. There. So although these men are being revered as righteous, although these men are being revered as all these great things, the Scripture says they're the basis, which means they're not just a thief. They're the worst possible thief that you can find. They're not just a fornicator. They're the worst possible fornicators on the face of the earth. They're not just murderers. They're the worst possible murderers on the face of the earth. That's what it means when it says the basis of men, but the thing is, they're so base that we don't even expect anything less of them. And the sad thing about it is that's the reason why people in politics get away with murder and all the things they do, because when you look at our people, or you look at people in general, political scandals don't upset them. They don't get upset when they find out that somebody stole money or that somebody wasn't had had an extramarital affair or that somebody was somebody did a secret covert operation to kill people in another country. They just look at that and they're so jaded they basically say, Okay, well that's what we expected it to be. And it just goes to show that politicians are really not held to any higher moral standard. And the proof of that, let's go into clip number two tonight, where this is a clip that really shows how people that were involved in political scandals, how they not only continued in politics, but many of them also thrived after the scandal. So and you see about these things, you think, okay, their career is over. No, their career is about to get better.
6: And... um. It's also a show we we do on um, Tuesday night. Are oh, you smarter and your pastor? Goes hand in hand with the um, the pastors as well. Yes, indeed. They get caught up in any kind of scandal because they they're very much entwined with the politics scene as well. You know, we did the show on on Jim Jones. How much was he involved in politics?
2: And that's um, one of the things that we're going to be going over tonight, too, one, is how religion and politics—they're really synonymous in today's world.
6: But, you know, the point I wanted to say, let us do something wrong.
2: (laughs) Exactly. All right, we can play this clip. Uh,
3: It used to be that as a politician in America, getting caught cheating would be an automatic career under. Yes, we're talking about sex and adultery. But times have changed, and it seems that not only can politicians keep their jobs, they can run for office again and again. And if this current time is any indication, they can expect to win and win big. R.T. Correspondent Christine Frizow takes a look. Between the sheets lie many secrets. Secrets that sometimes never stray.
6: I did not have sexual
1: relations with that woman.
3: But when they do...
1: I've been unfaithful to my life. Last year, I had an affair.
3: Everything can
2: change.
1: For this reason... I am resigning from the office of governor. And Impeaching
2: William Jefferson Clinton, President of the United States, for high crimes and misdemeanors.
3: But in the shadows of shame, seeds of forgiveness, it seems, can grow. South Carolina Governor Mark Sanford, who disappeared for six days in June of 2009, was thought by his staff to be hiking on the Appalachian Trail. He was instead ditching his job to cheat
1: on his wife. I developed um, a relationship with a, uh, which started out as a dear, dear friend from Argentina. I hurt her. I hurt you all. I hurt my wife. I hurt my boys.
3: Today, Governor Sanford is not hurting at all when it comes to public support. He'll finish out his term as governor with a 55% approval rating. And in the fight to see who will replace him, the candidate in the lead remains at the center of a scandal of the same sort. Nikki Haley is rumored to have had an affair with political blogger Will Folks. He recently gave a sworn statement in which he said they did indeed have an inappropriate physical relationship while she was married. Her response? It's up to them to prove it. It's not up to me to prove that I'm, that I'm telling the truth. It's up to them to prove that it is true. And voters seem to agree. Haley is polling at about 48% versus her opponent, Vincent Shaheen, who has about 37% heading into the final day before the election. Louisiana Senator David Vitter also riding high in the polls, despite admitting he was once a client of the D.C. Madam prostitution ring.
1: I want to, again, offer my deep, sincere apologies to all those I have let down and disappointed with these actions from my past.
3: Even lies and awkward testimonies can be put in the past.
1: If Monica Lewinsky says that while you were in the Oval Office area and you touched her breast, would she be lying? Let
2: me say something about all this.
3: No need to say a thing today, Mr. Clinton. Some are calling to bring you back to the White House, and a recent Gallup poll shows you with a 61% approval rating, higher than President Obama and President Bush. Or if you're the governor of New York and you choose to bench yourself in the political playing field.
1: I did something egregiously wrong to my family. I apologized. I resigned. And now I am ready to move forward.
3: It seems America is ready, too. <laughs> CNN gave Elliot Spitzer a primetime show.
1: As human beings, our greatest glory consists not in never falling, but in rising every time we fall.
3: Perhaps we've simply reached the time in America when the road to forgiveness is getting smaller. Or maybe we've started to realize what so many in other countries already have, that while the political sex scandal may change the conversation, it doesn't necessarily have to change the game. Reporting in Washington, Christine Frizzow, RT.
6: Wow. Wow, as right. Well. So, so the thing is,
2: they went through all of that, to still arrive at the wrong conclusion at the end. The reason why that's going on is not because Americans are more forgiving. The reason why those things are going on is because Americans are more wicked than ever. Absolutely. So it's not about forgiveness. It's about the fact that when I look at my political leader, I see a reflection of myself. That's the reason why We always rejected the Heavenly Father, and that's the reason why we always rejected Christ. We don't want to be ruled over by perfection. We don't want to be ruled over by a Lord that has no flaws and a Lord that's perfect, because now it's going to be like the Scripture says, be ye therefore perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. We want a ruler that's an adulterer. We want a ruler that's a fornicator. We want a ruler that's a thief. We want a ruler that's a man of blood and violence so that when we do those things, we don't feel bad about it. That's the reason why we can look at all of these people that are doing all of these egregiously wrong sins that are not just laws against the laws of man, but also against the laws of God, and their approval rating is higher than ever, you know? So the thing that people have to understand is that there's another reason why they continue to prosper. And the other reason why they continue to prosper is because they're serving their master Satan. When they lie, steal, fornicate, and kill, that's how they got their power to be in office in the first place. They didn't get in office because they were righteous men. They got in office because they were wicked men. And to prove that, let's go to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 4, and we're going to read verse 5 through 8. And this is where Satan tempts our Lord Jesus Christ in the wilderness. And when he tempts him in the wilderness, he pretty much laid the foundation of what it meant to be a ruler of this world. Satan laid the foundation of what it meant to be a ruler in this world. Right. So,
6: Luke verse,
2: starting at verse 5, we're going to read verse 5 through 8.
6: Right. And the devil taking him up into a high mountain, shewed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them. For that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. So, God,
2: do me a favor and read verse 6 again.
6: Verse 6, it says, And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me. And to whomsoever I will, I give it.
2: So one of the things that we have to understand, especially as Christians, is that right now this world is in the grip, power, and influence of Satan. And it will be that way until our Lord Jesus Christ comes back, destroys all principalities and powers, all thrones and dominions on this world, and sets up his kingdom On the earth. But when he came in the flesh roughly 2,000 years ago, it wasn't to come in the form of a ruler. He came in the form of a servant to teach repentance to his people Israel and how to make their way back to the Heavenly Father. He gave us the second covenant or the second testament, which was the perfection of faith and works and the adoption of sons back to the Father. That's what his goal was the last time he came on the earth. The next time he comes, he's coming to rule. So when you look at Satan, what Satan was trying to do was to get the Lord to shirk his duties and responsibilities and to accept being the ruler of this world, but not in righteousness, but in wickedness. That's the reason why he explained in verse 5, and the devil him to a high mountain showed unto him, all the kingdoms of a world in a moment in time. So one of the important things to realize about all the kingdoms of the world in a moment in time, he was showing them the dominions and rulerships throughout the ages. It wasn't just one time. It was for all time. So it's letting you know that Satan has been ruling for a very long time because Mm -hmm. From the, from the fall of man all the way up until the return of Christ is what we're talking about. And so when you look at the Lord, Jesus Christ, setting that example, saying, no, we're gonna worship, I'm going to worship the Heavenly Father and him only will I serve. But the point is, is that if Satan said out of his own mouth that he has the rulership and dominion of this world, and he gives that rulership and dominion to whomsoever he will, and he gives it to those who bow down and serve him, then that should let you know that the presidents, governors, mayors, whatever you see on the face of this earth, from one end of the globe to the other, what they call themselves emperors, czars, presidents, prime ministers, governments, cabinets, senates, they have all In some way shape or form Bowed down and accepted Satan as their lord and savior That's the reason why they were given power To rule and reign in this earth And so Are we just talking about Democrats are we just talking about Republicans are we just talking about Conservatives are we talking about Every single one of them So let's play One other clip before we go to our break And this Huh? And this is the this is a clip of Jesse Ventura of all people, who actually was very, very prominent in politics at the time. And of course most of us remember him as a professional wrestler. But one of the things that he says, which I totally agree with, as a matter of fact, I used to say it for years and years, and I'm so glad that somebody else came out and said it too. What he basically said is that politics and professional wrestling are very similar in the sense that it's all fake and it's all staged. But I'd rather you hear it out of his mouth. So play the clip of Ventura actually giving his feel on politics as a whole. There we go. And everything else,
1: The governor, relate uh,
6: your experience in professional wrestling with politics. With, uh,
1: well, what you have today, what people don't realize, when I went and, talk, and taught at Harvard in 2004, one of my classes was how pro wrestling prepares you for politics, Perfect. and it truly does, because it makes you comfortable in front of the mic, it makes you have to ad lib and think on your feet, and also probably the most is that who you really are and who may not be the same person, you know. And pro- Politics today, and you'll hear me say that to the crowd today, politics today is pro-wrestling. It is pro-wrestling, and you know what I mean by that? I mean by that that the Dems and Repubs in front of you and in front of the public is going to tell how they hate each other and how they're different. But as soon as the cameras go off in the back room, they're all going out to dinner together, They're at, and they're all buddies cutting deals. It's just like pro-wrestling. In front of the public, we hate each other. We're going to rip our heads off But in the locker room. We're all friends. Are you
2: suggesting professional
1: wrestling is fake? I'm suggesting politics is fake.
2: So an amazing clip of somebody actually saying that there is no difference between Democrats, Republicans, that they're all the same, which we already knew. So when we come back from break, one of the things that we're going to go through is this. If they're all the same and they're all on one accord, when we come back, we're going to examine what they're actually on one accord with and what they actually do agree on behind closed doors.
6: I I just want to add this. Someone else said it that was on primetime TV. (laughs) (laughs)
4: All
6: right, we're going to go to a short break. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back.
2: This is the Body of Christ Church, inviting you to listen to our new program, From Darkness to Light, where we examine and remove spiritual wickedness in today's world. The show airs every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. So remember the words written in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 18, "But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more,
5: People murdering, killing in this society. Bodies are falling on every single side of me. Vapors are running rampant. So water A drug addicts. We're living in the last days of the final madness. Teenage mothers giving birth to rebellious children. Rebellious children hate their brothers and then they kill them. Wars, earthquakes, famines, pestilence. Evidence, evidence, epidemic. evidence. That is high time to the wake out of your sleeping state. Before Christ returns to these wicked demon straight. So tune in to bloggerradio.com. To be on don't be alarmed. Listen closely, and there's one thing you will see. To get your life right, repentance is the key. Tune in to Repentance is the Key at 7:00 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Friday to learn more about repentance and Christ. Religion is not the answer. The Bible, the Heavenly Father, and Christ.
4: If you would like to contact us or learn more about the Body of Christ Church, you may do so by calling, emailing, or by visiting our website. Our telephone number is 1 871 1712. Our email address is bodyofchrist at ureach.com. Ureach is the letter U followed by the word reach, so that's Body of Christ at UReach.com Our website TheDOCC.com contains our telephone number and email address as well as audio and video biblical lessons and other information geared toward edification and repentance and good works Again, our website address is TheDOCC.com So please feel free to connect with us today
6: Right, we're back from darkness to light, the lesser of two evils. We'd like to thank everyone that's called in. Uh, if you want to call in to speak live on the show, the guest call number is 646-716-7749. And we'd like to thank everyone that's in the chat room that's joining us tonight. So back to you, bro.
2: So you look at what we went over prior to the break about how they were in league with Satan and how Satan pretty much is the one that grants them the power on this earth. And what people need to understand is that it's a fleeting power and that what they're going to gain is nothing compared to what they're going to lose. That's the reason why in Matthew chapter 16, verse 26, the Lord Jesus Christ asked the question, for what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So Mm. they're going into this corruption and destruction for money, wealth, fame, power, the ability to fulfill their wicked sexual fantasies and desires, and what they're going to lose is their immortal soul. And that's the tragedy of it all. But back to what, Uh, Jesse Ventura brought out About how they're all the same And how behind closed doors They all agree And that they're all on the same page So the question is If they're fighting and arguing like cats and dogs In front of our face And behind the scenes They're all buddy-buddy Then what are they on one accord about? So Mm -hmm. let's go to the book of Psalms And we're going to go to the second Psalm And we're going to read verse 1 all the way through verse 6 to show you exactly what they do agree on.
6: So, Psalms, verse
2: 1. It says, Psalms,
6: 2nd Psalms, verse verse 1. It says, why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord. And against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder, and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh, the Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath, and vex them in his sword displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of
2: Zion. So you look at that. You want to know what they agree on behind closed doors? You want to know what the kings of the earth, the rulers of the earth, the prime ministers, the governors, the senators, the congressmen, you want to know what they agree on behind closed doors? Read verse 2 again.
6: The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against him. His anointed. So the
5: point. So the
2: point is that when they come together, their counsel, all their counsels, are against the Lord of heaven and earth, and against His anointed. Meaning that they are against the Heavenly Father, they are against the Lord Jesus Christ, and they are against the people on this earth who have dedicated themselves to following Christ. That's the reason why all the policies of this earth, all the laws of this earth, and everything that's coming down the line is to destroy, stamp out, and eradicate any semblance of the Heavenly Father's rule on earth. That's the reason why they talk about a separation of church and state while they still push their satanic doctrines. That's the reason why they said there's not going to be any prayer in schools that's the reason why they said that we're going to force your children to learn about a satanic doctrine of evolution. That's the reason why every single thing that we see around us is leading us towards a world without God, without Christ, and without the people of the Lord having a place in it. That's their job, and that's what they're on one accord with behind closed doors. Why? Because they all serve Satan. Absolutely. So, now to further prove that, let's go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 8. And when we go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 8, one of the things they were going to bring out is the Lord's answer to them, the Lord's answer to the so called New World Order, the, Lord's, the Lord in heaven's answer to all the people that gather themselves together to fight against Him, to fight against Christ. And destroy his anointed on the earth Who follow him in truth and sincerity Despite the persecutions of the day Mm -hmm. So We're going to go to the book of Isaiah chapter 8 And we're going to read All the way down So let's take our time And let's just go through each of these verses Isaiah chapter 8 Starting at verse 9
6: Starting at verse 9 Isaiah 8 verse 9 Associate yourselves O ye people and you shall be broken in pieces. And give ear, all ye of far countries. Gird yourselves, and you shall be broken in pieces. Gird yourselves, and you shall be broken in pieces.
2: So the Lord is letting all the nations know that he's ready for them. He's telling them to associate <laughs> yourself together, all ye people, letting them know, come together, gird yourself, put on your armor, get up your swords and shields. And I'm going to break you in pieces continue
6: take counsel together and it shall come to naught speak the word and it shall not stand for God is with us
2: so what you decide in your closed-door meetings what you decide in the Senate what you decide in the White House what you decide in your satanic altars what you decide at your bohemian Grove what you decide at the Bilderberger group The Lord is saying, take counsel together, and it shall come to naught. Speak the word, and it shall not stand, for God is with us. Continue.
6: For the Lord spake thus to me with a strong hand, and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people, saying, Say ye not a confederacy to all them to whom this people shall say a confederacy? Neither fear ye their fear, nor be afraid.
2: So what he's letting us know is that the people are saying we have a confederacy. We have a confederacy. But the Lord is saying don't have a confederacy with them. When you look up the word confederate, I'll just read to you a few definitions of confederate. It means united in a league, alliance, or conspiracy, a person. Group or nation, etc., united with others in a confederacy. An ally, an accomplice, especially in a mischievous or criminal act. So mm-hmm. that's why the Lord said that they were in a confederacy, because mm-hmm. they're part of a conspiracy of satanic proportions, they're part of a mischievous criminal act, they're part of a system. Designed to fight against the Heavenly Father. So the Lord is telling us don't be involved in their conspiracy, don't be involved in their confederacy, and don't be afraid of the things that they're afraid of. They're afraid of government, they're afraid of politics, they're afraid of uh, all the things that's happening in this earth. We don't have to be afraid of those things. But what do we have to be afraid of? Let's follow, find out. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 13, read it on.
6: Say ye not a confederacy. To all them to whom this people shall say confederacy, neither fear ye their fear, nor be afraid. Sanctify the Lord of hosts Himself, and let Him be your fear, and let Him be your dread.
2: So that's what our fear is supposed to be. Because I could, not I hate when people come up and they start talking about all this political rhetoric about, oh, you, you yeah. have to be afraid about this. And no, I only have to be afraid of the Heavenly Father. He's my fear, and he's my dread. I don't have to fear their fear. I don't have to fear your fear. The Lord already told me what I'm supposed to be afraid of. So everything else could take a walk. Continue.
6: And he shall be for a sanctuary, but for a stone of stumbling, and for a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel, for a gin and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem.:
2: So our Lord is going to be a sanctuary for those that trust in Him, a safe place, a haven, but for those that despise and reject him, He's going to be a gin, a snare, a rock of offense, and people are going to be destroyed by fighting against him. Continue
6: And many among them shall stumble and fall and be broken. And be snared, and be taken.
2: And those are the ones that fight against the Lord. They're gonna fall and be broken. That's why He told them to gather together, and they're gonna be broken in pieces. What are they gonna be broken on? They're gonna be broken on the Lord Jesus Christ, because you cannot conquer Him. Continue.
6: it also said Congrats. snared, which is which is a trap, because Satan exactly. set out many traps out there, many false Christs, many false light. And satanically inspired, you thinking that they're Christ like, but they're not. They're really Satan behind, they're laughing at you. Exactly. Exactly. It is a trap. Verse 18. Verse 17. 16. Yeah, 16. Find up the testimony, fill the law among my disciples. Continue. And I will wait upon the Lord that hideth his face from the house of Jacob, and I will look for him. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord have given me are for signs and for wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts which dwelleth in Mount Zion.
2: So he's letting you know right there bind up the testimony and seal my law among the disciples. So the testimony is sealed with those that fear the Lord. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to wait on the Lord that hides his face from the house of Jacob. So even though it seems like the Lord is not near, that he's not watching, that he's not present, the Lord knows everything that's happening with us. And even though he's hiding his face from us and his anger and displeasure with the things that are happening on this earth, he hasn't forgotten the ones that have truly followed him in truth and sincerity. And the Lord Jesus Christ is watching over us. So that's why I said, Behold, I, the children whom the Lord hath given me are for signs and for wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts which dwelleth in Zion. So while people look at us like, okay, we're a sign and a wonder and a, and how did we become so low and how we destroyed, uh-uh, the Lord of hosts has not forgotten us. But now let's read on to verse 19 and 20 to see what the Lord says about the rulers of this world.
6: And when they shall say unto you, seek unto them that have familiar spirits and unto wizards that peep and that mutter, should not a people seek unto their God for the living, to the dead, to the, to the law, and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them.
2: So when it says there is no light in them, the scriptures already tell you, the Lord said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And Christ already said, I am the light of the world. So when they're saying that there's no Light in them If they're not speaking according to this word A lot of times we use that scripture Pertaining to pastors and priests That are false prophets But what people have to understand It's also in line with the so-called Political leaders If they're not speaking according to the Lord And the testimony because there's no Light in them And when you look at the presidents And the rulers of this world Who are they seeking to? They're seeking to those who and those who mutter, and they're going to witches and Satanists to find out what decisions they should make. Just like the rulers of old, in Babylon they had the Chaldeans, the wise men, and all of these presidents were involved in different types of astrology to make their decisions and things of that nature. So if you can, go down and play for us the next clip. Uh, it's a little bit of information about Reagan's presidency, and how he made his decisions on a daily basis. NBC's Andrea Mitchell tells us tonight new reports of Mrs. Reagan's reliance on an astrologer raise new questions about national security.
0: In her book, My Turn, Nancy Reagan says she relied on astrology as a crutch because of fears about her husband's safety after the assassination attempt. Astrologer Joan Quigley told NBC News she and Mrs. Reagan talked constantly sometimes several times a day, and not only about the president's safety. She was not only interested in the president's safety and having me do for him the things that i had done during the 80 campaign, but she was also interested in improving her own image. And I was very occupied with that uh, at first. Quigley had veto power over the scheduling of all presidential press conferences. She advised when it was safe to travel, when he should hold a summit. I uh, picked a time on the day they left that was an excellent time for what, I, what we wanted to accomplish. And I also uh, changed their evil empire attitude by briefing them on Gorbachev's horoscope. By the time we were working on the uh, uh, Washington summit, she was calling me two and three times a day. Intelligence officials say the CIA went nuts when it learned the First Lady was discussing U.S.-Soviet relations with an outsider on non-secure lines. Some White House officials were also horrified that presidential security was being breached. And according to former White House officials and Quigley, the astrologer was involved in everything. She picked the departure time for the Reykjavik summit, the optimum time for signing an arms control treaty, the best time for the trip to Moscow. And when Mrs. Reagan was upset about a controversial trip to Germany in 1985, Quigley plotted every takeoff and landing. Her scheduling for that visit to the Bitburg Cemetery was so complicated that former White House aide Michael Deaver sought permission from Mrs. Reagan to talk to the astrologer directly. The president knew what was going on. Deaver told NBC News that if Mrs. Reagan wanted the schedule changed, she would say, I've told Ronnie and that's what Joan recommends. Described by friends as superstitious, almost mystical, Reagan was inclined to defer to his wife's wishes. No, 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 that's bad that luck.
1: I have learned not to argue with her superstitions.
0: Former aides say Ronald Reagan was a man who read his horoscope and the funnies before the rest of the paper. They say he wasn't only indulging his wife, That the former president also believed in astrology. Andrea Mitchell, NBC News, Washington.
6: No, 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 that's bad luck.
2: So here it is, you think that these guys are behind closed doors making decisions based on intelligence and all type of things when they're really consulting astrologers and soothsayers and those who peep and mutter for advice on running a nation. It's no different than the days of old, because those are the things that they're confederate in. They're confederate in their service to Satan. Political party does not matter because they're all part of the same satanic organizations behind the scenes. Whether it be Freemasonry, Skull and Bones, Trilateral Commission, Bilderberg Burger Group, they all serve the same masters. Um, not too many years ago, Alex Jones actually did a documentary called um, Dark Secrets Inside Bohemian Grove. And you know I'm not the biggest Alex Jones fan, but he has his purposes, like all so-called conspiracy theorists, and that's actually next week's show, dealing with them. But like I said, he has his purposes. And just to give people an idea of what the Bohemian Grove is and what the group is about, I'm going to read a brief excerpt and just go into a few things about what the Bohemian Group Club is. The Bohemian Club is a private club, only, only active members of the club, known as bohos or grovers, and their guests may visit the grove. These guests have have been known to include political and notable figures from countries outside of the U.S. Particularly during during the midsummer encampment, the number of guests is strictly limited due to the small size of the facilities. Nevertheless, up to 2,900 members and guests have been reported as attending some of the annual encampments. The membership list has included every Republican and some Democratic U.S. presidents. Since 1923, many cabinet officials, directors, and CEOs of large corporations, including major financial institutions, major military contractors, oil companies, banks, including the Federal Reserve, utilities, including nuclear power reserves, and national media, which is broadcast and print, have high-ranking officials as club members or guests. So what he did is he actually did a documentary Where he goes into Bohemian Grove To expose what it is that they're doing At these ceremonies Where they go through the so-called cremation of care And what they mean by the cremation of care Is that they burn an effigy of a human baby And it symbolizes their destruction of care which, is a, which allows them to yearly wipe away that slate of a conscience that they have, allowing them to do all the wicked and evil things that they need to do in the earth. That's the reason why they can destroy the earth with war, pollution, poison the water that they drink, poison the food that they eat, poison the air that they breathe, make weapons that can destroy the earth, diseases that can wipe out populations. It's because they don't care. So where did their care go? Well, they destroyed it in Bohemian Grove. So can you play uh those first two clips together to again please?
5: Okay. Ooh.